Welcome back, Crimeaholics. It's your host, Holly. Today's episode was actually supposed to come out on Black Friday, but tis the season to be busy. Time got away from me spending with my loved ones and friends, and let's just be real, life happens. So this episode is coming out a little bit late. I do hope that you guys had an incredible holiday with your family and loved ones, and I hope that you guys continue to surround yourselves with everyone that you love and that are the dearest to you this holiday season. Today's case is one that is not for the faint of heart. This case is very gruesome and stomach-turning, and I suggest if you have a weak stomach to just go ahead and skip over this episode. So that is your warning. If you skip this episode, I will not hold it against you, but if you are ready for a wild tale of the Thanksgiving cannibal, buckle up and hold on tight because this one is a doozy. Omaima Nelson had a rough start to life. She was born in South Egypt near the Sudanese border, and she grew up in a poor farming village. And there honestly isn't a ton about her younger years beyond the fact that her father was extremely abusive with a short fuse and explosive tendencies. As a young girl, she was subjected to female genital mutilation or also known as clitoral circumcision. Her parents divorced and her mother took her to Cairo to an area known as the City of the Dead. According to Atlas Obscura, Cairo is one of the largest cities in the world with over 20 million people living in Cairo's metro area. It also has a massive population that live in poverty which forces people into this area known as the City of the Dead. The City of the Dead was created as an Arabic cemetery during the conquest of Egypt. It has now since developed into one of Egypt's worst slums. There are over 500,000 people who live within the City of the Dead, filling the gaps between the tombs and the mausoleums with their makeshift homes. At the age of 18, Omaima is absolutely beautiful, and she uses her looks to attract men. She caught the eye of an American oil worker who was in Egypt for work. Not long after meeting the oil worker, her family began encouraging the two of them to go ahead and get married, and Omaima agreed. According to the snapped episode on Omaima, she had felt that no Muslim man would ever accept her because she was no longer a virgin. And not only that, but marrying an American would take her out of her deplorable living conditions and hopefully set her up for a better life in the States. After his job in Egypt was finished, Omaima moved to Texas with her new husband. And it wasn't long after arriving in Texas and beginning their lives together that their marriage ended in divorce. And at that point, Amaima was on her own. She was still in her teens, and she was this foreigner in a foreign country living by herself. And she was completely overwhelmed with the thought of what she was going to do next. Once again, Omaima used her beauty to get her by. Whenever Omaima was out in bars, she would attract men left and right. Despite her English not being the best, her exotic looks and petite frame had men gravitating towards her. And that's how she got by for the next several years. Omaima was jumping from one relationship to the next, allowing each of the men she dated to take care of her financially. 
when one relationship ended, she was instantly on to the next. This eventually brought her to Costa Mesa in Orange County, California. In Costa Mesa, she worked different odd jobs here and there, and not having strong English and not having many work skills, Omaima resorted to just cleaning homes and working as a nanny, and on occasion, she worked as a model. In October of 1991, 23-year-old Omaima headed to a bar for a drink. While there, she once again caught the eye of plenty of men, but one in particular seemed extremely promising for her future. William Nelson, who went by Bill, was described to be this larger-than-life kind of guy. He was extremely outgoing, very vibrant, and just had a successful air about him. You know the saying that everything is bigger in Texas? Well, that was Bill, and surprisingly, Bill was originally from Texas. He drove around in a sleek red Corvette, and whenever he walked into the room, his presence literally just demanded everyone's attention. Strutting into the bar that night, Omaima saw Bill sporting red cowboy boots and one of those large dinner plate cowboy belt buckles. Bill liked to brag about owning a cattle ranch, and he really portrayed himself as this rich Texan type of guy. He also was significantly older than Omaima. Omaima was just 23, and Bill was 56. Bill was established with five children of his own, and he was even a grandfather to 17 grandchildren. Omaima didn't care about their age difference. She looked at Bill as someone who could take care of her. And for whatever reason, Omaima had it in her mind that older men were just nicer than men her own age. Their relationship kicked off quick, and people who knew them said that the two of them act like two teenagers who were head over heels for each other. Their relationship was that cliche whirlwind romance that we often hear about in movies. After less than a month of knowing each other, the couple traveled back to Texas where Bill was from, and they then traveled to Arkansas so Omaima could meet Bill's family and friends. While on their road trip, they decided to take their relationship to the next level and got married in Phoenix, Arizona. Bill's kids were not impressed with the fact that their father married Omaima. They were pretty suspicious about her, and the fact that she was younger than some of his own children didn't sit right with them. But despite their concerns for their father, they remained cordial and tried to accept her the best that they could. After a few weeks with family, Omaima and Bill headed back to their home in California. The couple settled back into their daily routines, living in a small apartment. On the morning of Thanksgiving, Bill Nelson talked on the phone with his stepdaughter, and they chatted about the fact that Bill and Omaima were going to have a nice Thanksgiving dinner with everything that you could imagine. He also talked about all of the wonderful things that he was thankful for. Life seemed great for Bill, and he was in a great cheery mood that day. Little did his family know this would be the final time that they would hear from Bill. Three days later, Omaima showed up to the home of one of her friends named Jose Esquivel. The first time she went to the house, she woke up Jose with the pounding on the door. He peered out the window to see a red Corvette parked in his driveway, and he didn't know who it belonged to. He decided to stay in bed and go back to sleep. But later that day, Omaima came back to his house and once again began pounding on his door. This time, Jose answered it and was shocked to find that Omaima was standing there. She told Jose that she needed his help and she seemed extremely frantic. 
She told Jose that Bill had raped her, beat her, tortured her with sexual bondage, and that she had been tied up. Somehow, Obama managed to free an arm from her restraint and hit Bill over the head with a heavy glass lamp. She told Jose that she had hit him so hard that it killed him. And not only did Omaima kill Bill, she then proceeded to cut him up and put him into trash bags. She had asked Jose if he could get a truck and help her dispose of all of the bags that contained Bill's body parts. She also offered to pay Jose the $75,000 that was locked inside of Bill's safe as well as giving him two of Bill's motorcycles. Jose played along with Omaima and agreed to help her. He told her to stay at his home and he would go and get a truck for them to use. Omaima agreed to stay back and let Jose go get a truck. Instead of getting a truck, though, Jose went to the first payphone that he can find and dialed 911. When the door opened again at Jose's apartment, Omaima was shocked to find police there instead of her friend. Police found Omaima waiting on Jose's couch and it appeared that she had been very upset and had been crying. When looking at her, there did appear to be some physical injuries to Omaima's face, arms, and hands. But instead of telling the police what she told Jose, she completely denied everything and said none of it was true. She told authorities that Bill was actually alive and well and on a business trip to Florida. Not believing her story, though, the police decided to look inside of the red Corvette that she had driven over to Jose's. Inside the Corvette, they found a trash bag sitting on the passenger seat. One of the deputies pulled the bag from the car and looked inside. Inside of the bag appeared to be human organs. A coroner investigator was called out to the scene and he quickly examined the contents of the bag, pointing out carbon spots that were on the lungs that were inside the bag, showing the deputies that the lungs belonged to a smoker. Omaima was obviously taken from Jose's home to the Costa Mesa Police Department to be questioned. While they questioned Omaima at the police department, they sent deputies to the apartment that Bill and Omaima shared. Deputies first knocked on the door to see if anyone would answer, and when nobody did, they forced entrance into a front window. Inside the apartment, they found an extremely cluttered home filled with various different computer parts. And at first glance, despite the clutter, it seemed like nothing was wrong. But the further investigators went into the home, the more they realized that something did in fact take place there. Throughout the entire apartment, there was random drops of blood found, whether it be on a doorknob, on a wall, or a couple spots on the carpet. Among the cluttered computer parts, deputies found several more trash bags like the one inside the red Corvette. And inside those bags were more body parts. They also found inside some bags a broken lamp and a broken iron. Walking into the kitchen, investigators found something even more disturbing. Inside the frying pan, a pair of hands were found that appeared to have been cooked with some turkey meat. Inside the freezer, Bill Nelson's head was found pushed to the back, wrapped in foil. Bill's head was unrecognizable. It was badly burned because Omaima had fried his head inside of a deep fryer. Inside the couple's bedroom, they also found things that appeared to coincide with Omaima's claims of sexual assault. 
They found the ties on the bed and the bedposts had been broken. But when they looked at the mattress, they started to wonder if it was actually Bill who had been tied up and not Omima after all. Their mattress was literally completely soaked through with blood down to the box spring and then through the box spring as well. Looking back at the body parts in the bags, investigators came to the conclusion that it had been Bill who had been tied up after seeing bruising around his ankles. Back at the station, Omaima was being questioned, and during her interrogation, she was acting really odd and never sat down. She paced the small room talking in third person and said weird things about hallucinating. When asked if she was responsible for Bill's death, she continued to deny everything that she had told Jose, and she claimed that he was on acid. When asked about the human organs found inside the bag that was in the Corvette, she said that she thought Bill had done that to someone else. She claimed that when she found that, she had thought Bill had killed somebody else because he had a little bit of a dark past. Bill Nelson had recently been let out of federal prison on parole. Bill was put in prison for four years After the plane that he had been flying in Texas was found to be loaded with marijuana, he ended up going to federal prison for drug smuggling. Omaima, however, said that Bill was a dangerous and violent man, claiming that he had raped women and even murdered people, which is what Omaima said had happened to her that night. But she continued to deny that she had told Jose about hitting Bill with the lamp and killing him. When it appeared that Omaima wasn't going to give up any kind of information, they decided to send her to the hospital for a sexual assault exam. They also had all of her injuries and bruises documented and photographed. They determined that her rape kit results were negative. There had not been any kind of damages or bruising to her both vaginally and anally. They also determined that her injuries and bruising were not caused from a physical struggle with someone. But instead, the injuries and accidental cuts were consistent with someone who was violently dismembering a body. After her exam, she was brought back to the station and questioned once again. They sat her down and just laid out all of what they had found, and she replied with a confession. She finally admitted that she had killed Bill, but she states that she doesn't remember anything, just that she got up and found him in the trash bags. She claimed that she couldn't remember how she killed him, just that she had. Despite her claims of not remembering how she killed him, she did remember why. She told investigators that something inside of her had told her that she needed to kill him and that she was being possessed by demons. She once again began talking about hallucinations and brought up drugs and alcohol. At this point, it seemed that Omaima was literally grasping at any kind of straws that she can grab to make up something to somehow excuse what she had done. At the end of her confession, she requested to see a psychiatrist. Omaima Nelson was arrested and booked on murder charges. While Omaima was in jail awaiting what would come next, the medical examiner began the process of first identifying that the remains truly did belong to Bill, and then he had to figure out how exactly he had died. It had appeared that Bill Nelson had been beat to death and had lots of head trauma. After he was deceased, Omaima then proceeded to cut up his body. To the coroner's surprise, though, the way in which that Bill's body had been dismembered, it almost appeared that whoever did this to him, assumably Omaima, had done this before. 
As a normal standard practice, the medical examiner weighed the body parts, which then was compared to the information that they had obtained from Bill's driver's license. And to their surprise, there was around 80 to 100 pounds of Bill Nelson missing from the parts that were recovered. Recalling back on what they had found at the crime scene, their stomachs began turning. We know that his hands had been found in a pan with some turkey meat, but why? The questions began swirling through investigators' minds, as I'm sure they're swirling through your mind. And let me remind you that this all took place back in 1991. The Jeffrey Dahmer case had just taken place. And Jeffrey Dahmer, for those who might not recall, had murdered over a dozen male victims between 1978 to 1991. And not only did he kill them, but he was also known to have eight parts of his victims. So with that case still fresh in the back of their minds, investigators started expecting the worst. When doing their investigation, they spoke to the neighbor of Bill and Omaima, and they had asked him if he had heard anything. And he had stated that he had heard the garbage disposal running nonstop the whole entire weekend. And then at some point, it eventually broke sometime between Saturday night and Sunday morning. As investigators began digging deeper into Omaima's past, they found that she had some violent tendencies. Omaima actually had a pretty good-sized record of thefts. But the most problematic was an incident that occurred when Omaima was caught shoplifting from a mall. When she was approached by two female security guards, she got violent. She had bitten one of the security guards in the breast, and according to the Snapped episode on Omaima, she had bit this security guard so hard and so violently that she nearly ripped her breast off. As for the other security guard, she had apparently grabbed her so hard in the crotch that she fell to her knees and Omaima escaped. Police, though, were able to catch up to her and arrested her for shoplifting and battery, and she was sentenced to only a few months in jail. Investigators were also able to get in touch with another man who had dated Omaima just a short time before she met Bill. He had stated that during their brief relationship, he was practically using her for sex, but she was using him for money. One day, she approached him and asked for money, and when he asked her what she was going to do for him, she told him that she wanted to tie him up and do sexual acts to him. So he agreed to be tied up, and when tied up, she brought out a handgun and pointed it at him and threatened she would kill him if she didn't get money from him. And this sounds eerily familiar to what it seems like happened to Bill with being tied up. This man was able to get free fairly easily from his restraints, and he was able to snatch the gun away from Omaima and then forced her from the home. This man did not report what had happened to him because he was embarrassed by it, but when the news spread about Omaima being in custody for Bill Nelson's murder, he came forward with what had happened to him. And those charges were also added against Omaima. The fact that this man came forward really helped the prosecution in this case. It provided that she had a past of violence and tying people up. It also provided to them that Omaima rambling on about demons and hallucinations and things telling her to kill Bill was all just a made-up ploy to try and get her out of the responsibility for what she did. A year after her arrest, Omaima's trial began. During her trial, it came out that during an interview with a psychiatrist, Omaima detailed after killing Bill, she put on a red dress, red shoes, and a red hat. Then she prepared his ribs like short ribs from a restaurant. 
She had claimed that she cooked his ribs restaurant style, smothered in barbecue sauce. And when she told them that she tasted them, she claimed that they were so sweet, so delicious, and so tender, which was the way that she liked it. During the trial, the defense really drove home the fact that Omaima was mentally not sound. She had been through a lot of abuse in her younger years, including the genital mutilation at the age of seven. They also claimed that Bill was physically, mentally, and sexually abusive towards her and demanded sexual favors daily using degrading names towards her. They also talked about the fact that Omaima had said that it was ancient Egyptians who were coming to her in her mind, telling her to do these horrible things to Bill. Omaima also told the jury on the stand that her husband, who previously spent time in prison, was a violent and abusive man. She told them during their road trip to see his family, he had threatened to murder her while they were traveling through Arizona and told her that he could bury her body and she would never be found. According to Omaima, on that day, November 30th, 1991, a very violent sexual encounter took place between Omaima and Bill. She had stated to get him to stop, she grabbed a lamp off the nightstand and broke it over his head. She then grabbed a nearby iron and hit him several times with that as well. When the iron broke, Omaima grabbed a pair of scissors and it was just after that when the rest of her memory would go blank. She had no memory of what happened after that or dismembering Bill. She stated she woke up the following morning to find bags of remains. After closing arguments, the jury deliberated for almost a week before coming to a verdict. They found Omaima guilty of second-degree murder. She was also found guilty of assault with a deadly weapon on the ex-boyfriend who she had also tied to the bedpost. While in prison, Omaima's charm over men didn't stop, and she somehow ended up meeting and marrying an elderly man who came to visit her in his wheelchair. They would have conjugal visit, which if you're not familiar with what that is, that's when people in prison are able to privately see their spouse, and they're then able to have sex. When he passed away while she was in prison, he had left behind a lot of money for Omaima. Omaima Nelson will be eligible for parole when she is 58 years old, which is in the year 2026, which is so soon. Crimeaholics, if you are not already a part of our private Facebook group, be sure to go over to Facebook and search Crimeaholics Podcast Discussion Group. In there, we discuss the cases that we cover, we share pictures from the cases that we cover, and we also encourage all of the members to share all things true crime. Be sure to also follow me on TikTok and on Instagram at crimeaholics.podcast. Crimeaholics, that is all for now. Until next time, you know what to do. Be aware and take care. (music) 